This is Drew versus the World, a podcast about giving information through inspiration. Um, today on the podcast is Michael Munoz of the In Your Mouth podcast. Ew. <laughs> hey, Drew. How are you? I'm good. I got it the first try. <laughs> uh-huh. Listen, it's a, it's. It's easy when you think about it. I always say yes. to people, and I said to you, you think of the moon, you think of yo-yos, Munoz. Boom. Exactly. I was like, mm, connection. I got it immediately. I've got, I forgot what they call it when you have to, when you have to do that. What's, I, uh, what, uh, word association? Is yeah, that word it? association. No. It's something else. No, that's not yeah. it. That's like when I, if I were to say to you, like, bubble, and then, mm-hmm. like, the first thing that comes to your mind is, like... Soap or something like that. Soap. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's word association. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, it all it all worked out. So first and foremost, uh, we 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 share the 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 background of being um, native New Yorkers and actually from Brooklyn. Um, what part of Brooklyn where you, are you from? I grew up the first half of my life till fourteen years old in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And then to save the marriage, my parents moved to Bay Ridge. Right. Um, And that's another story for another time. But my mom (laughs) is still in Bay Ridge and, you know, living and thriving. We're a native New Yorker. (laughs) Uh, It's it's crazy because um, I used to go to Bay Ridge and I used to play ball out there all the time. And um, it's, it's nice. It's nice to say the yeah, least. Yeah, Bay Ridge is a special place, mm-hmm. indeed. It's a special place and a special kind of person, you know? <laughs> it's it's interesting what Brooklyn has because the landscape is full of culture, right? So, it like, you can go to Coney Island area and then you can get, you know, a more of a polish Slovak, slovakian and then you um, go- uh, super russian exactly like, you could get deep in the trench in this mm-hmm. of that of that culture funny you should say that because in sunset park growing up um i kind of grew up on the like the outskirts so it was like sunset park and then like we were really close to the bay ridge border and then really close to the um um What's the other border that we were really close to? I can't think of it now. I haven't had enough coffee. But we, on the block, it's it was very, like, Spike Lee, um, Brooklyn. Like, people hanging out on the steps. Kids yep. playing, like, ball in the street and tag and all of that. And on our one block, we had... When I tell you it was the uh, ad for United Colors of Benetton, there was every... Every race, every color, every shape, every size, like it was such a mixed bag. And as I grew into my early teens, I guess some uh, developer noticed the need for Asian um, Asians coming over, Asian Mm -hmm. immigrants and Pacific Island immigrants to move into this neighborhood, maybe because the real estate was cheap, so they bought mm-hmm. it all up. And now it's the new Chinatown in New York. Really? Be- yeah. It's become, like, Brooklyn's Chinatown. And I saw that, like, transition happen. So you've seen yeah. the, you've seen also seen the gentrification kind of, like, so the opposite. So they, I think they broke in the, the Asian and the um, Pacific Islander um, kind of their demographic to allow them to have better living because the homes are so cheaper. But did you also see in the Brooklyn that used to be, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, basically gang violence and a lot of like dirt and decor and yeah. like a, a more of like a, 
I would say an immigrant mentality kind of changed into more of a new money kind of uh, it was in, mentality. It was interesting because, you know, we grew up, my, my parents didn't have money. We were like lower middle class, mm-hmm. right? Like, listen, I wanted for nothing, right? My mom worked her tail off. Um, and it was just all working families. It was yeah. all working families, right? We lived in a two-family house. My grandparents lived in the downstairs apartment. My parents lived in the upstairs apartment. And we lived in the upstairs apartment. And then half the basement was finished that we'd rented out. Um, and it was just everyone on the block was just normal, hardworking, yeah. like blue-collar families for the most part. And And... Then you'd get like deep into Sunset Park and you'd see like the poorer neighborhoods, right? Because even Sunset Park has uh, like this is very Hispanic for those out there that don't know much about Sunset Park. But that has also traded Latin hands through the years. Like there was like a big Mexican community, but then there was a big like Puerto Rican Dominican community. Mm -hmm. But then there was a big Ecuadorian community. And it just like it's interesting how that neighborhood, too, has changed and then like kind of. Is it gentrification if it's like a culture that is not white moving into the neighborhood, like not affluent white? I don't I don't know the rules of gentrification here. Um, mm. But like having the having the Asian immigrant community take over this specific part of this neighborhood mm-hmm. and make it their own and watch that transition yeah. now. I mean, I've gotten into some cabs and talk and talked to some cab drivers who are like, oh no, like the food down in Chinatown in Manhattan, it's good, but like the better food is definitely in that part of Sunset Park, Brooklyn. I definitely, next time I come up there, I have to go. I didn't even know that. That's like super news to me. Yeah. I mean, it's been like that for years since like, since I was... 14. Yeah, because that was also a good time for my parents to sell, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It was a seller's market because there was this one developer just be buying up all the houses, you know, Uh, for these people. And I don't don't know when this podcast is coming out uh, (laughs) because we haven't talked about that. But can I take a quick serious moment to shout out uh, all our Asian American Pacific Islanders out there, right, Uh, going through the strife. Um, we are with you. I am with you. Um, you know, we like, we, I, I said on my podcast as well, uh, the other day that like, you know, if we learned one thing from this pandemic, it, I thought it was that it takes a village, right? That like, mm-hmm. we need each other. We need to help our neighbors. We need to like, we need each other. We need the grocery store workers. We need like to be kinder to each other. And somehow that has fallen to the wayside for some people. And I'm still out here promoting that I am with you. I am trying to be kind. I I support you and I got your back all the time, no matter who you are, but especially these days, right? Our yes. Asian American Pacific Island brothers and sisters out there. And thank you for letting me have that moment no, because no, no. it's been hurting my heart and soul. Yeah, it's a hundred. I 100% agree with both parts. I I'm so sorry for the the pro, the troubles that they've been having, and this is not you know just now. This has been a long standing since long the pandemic standing, started, yeah. and then long standing before this pandemic. Before it's been, you know, they've gone through so many trials and tribulations, just as immigrants do, but with more of a issues 
that have, you know, not been at the forefront like most problems have. So I, I, I that I 100% agree with you on that. And I 100% agree with you about the, this pandemic has shown us that we need each other more than anything now. More like, than anything. More than it's anything. Like, you know, I learned a long time ago that, um, to and I was already doing this, but no one had ever put it into words for me to seeing people beyond their service, yes. which means like if you go to the if you go to the drugstore and the cashier is there, it's not like here's my toothpaste, charge me and get out. It's like, yeah. hi, how are you? Yes. Right. And then, oh, here's my toothpaste. So on. you get into a taxi. Take me downtown. No. Hey, how are you today? Can you take me downtown? It changes. It changes it because they're still a person yes. providing you with service. Yes. And they're doing their job. But I find it so funny a lot that like I'll go to the coffee shop or something and I'll walk in and I'll just be like, oh, my God. Hey. And I'll ask for my coffee. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. How are you? And they'll stop and they'll look at me like I have 14 heads because they're like, are you really? Uh, are you really asking me this? Uh, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I want to know how you are. Like, we're human, you know? And can I have my coffee at the same time? Yeah. Um, sorry, I had to pick him up. Uh, yeah, no yeah. worries. I mean, you could be on camera with him. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, let me... Right. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, he wanted to say hi. He heard me talking. Um, but I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And it's it's funny because my fiance, um, I've been putting her on this one thing. When we go anywhere, I say, always ask you, always ask the person, may I? May I? Just have that level of like, you know, because usually you go to like, let's say a bodega or a 7-Eleven or something like that. You say, hey, can I get that? You know, like, may I have even that level of, you know, courtesy? will change that person's day. And I've, yeah. been, I've been voicing this on this podcast all the time, is treat others the way you want to be treated. I was in the service industry for 25 years, right? Yep. I've been waiter, dishwasher, everything, every level of service. And you that and me one, both. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that one person that comes in and just like, just like hey, how are you guys doing? Everything good? And how's the back back there? Hey, John. Hey, like that one person that comes in that you see either every day or that one time they come in and they just have that level of, you know, niceness, I call it. Um, it, it will change your attitude. You change, you, it push you on to the another, another four or five hours that you have to go on. So well, yeah, that, and it's just, I mean, we're all human at the end of the day here. And it's just like, yeah, this person is providing you a service and you know, but like, there's still a person and you don't, I don't need your life story, but it's just like, Hey, how are you? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And people stop and they're like, Oh, oh yeah. Like you're just, you're just not like, I'm just not this like thing. Like the, I've just become a person all of a sudden. Right. Which I am. Exactly. Just have a level so. of decency. Sorry, I took us. I took us down. No, I, no, it's fine. It's um, but this this leads us perfectly into who is Michael? Can you give us your background of who you are and who you are today? Wow, uh, who is Michael? That's a great question. Um, Michael is uh, Michael is a forty year old Latin gay male 
that um, is navigating life as fiercely and fabulously as he can. I... To, that's my elevator pitch for my for myself <laughs> right there. Drew, <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to try to sell yourself real quick, right? That's it. Are. Like elevator pitch. No, but listen, I uh, I'm a native uh, Boricua, New Yorkian, um, you know, New Yorker. That uh, always I've always been in the arts some way somehow. I've sang. I used to sing most of my life. I still kind of do sing, but not professionally anymore. I went to school for classical music and voice, uh, opera to be exact, until my mentor and teacher was like, this is great, but you're going to go home and live with your mother and get a restaurant job (laughs) and pound the pavement to do musical theater because this is what you were made for. And I did that from like 2001 to like 2016 or something. And I've, I've been blessed to have many a job and been on stage with the likes of like Julie Andrews and Uh, Charlotte Church and Christopher Plummer and all sorts of Broadway great people down to two weeks later serving them at uh, being at an event serving them being like would you like the chicken or the beef you know (laughs) by the way I sang backup for you about a month ago (laughs) so um and then this food journey began because um the recession hit in 2009 and when you're living in this creative space and this creative bubble they don't teach you in art school to plan ahead. They just teach you the art and it's art is great. And it's this art and you're just going to sing for a living. And like, no, that's not the real world. Like you need to prep and you need to, you need to plan. And there isn't, they're, they're not teaching these younger generations, you know, how to survive that way in the world of the arts. And so I found myself on my mother's couch coming off of like four jobs with no work because the recession hit the, the TV actors took the Broadway jobs. The Broadway actors took the regional jobs. And there was no room for a short Latin boy that sings classical musical theater um, anywhere, right? Because there wasn't room there to begin with. So here I am on my mother's couch watching a lot of Food Network. And at the time, Rachel Ray and uh, Giada De Laurentiis and Ina Garten, right? The food, the food media world was very beautiful and very quiet. And everything was stunning. And Giada would be like the spaghetti and, and this <laughs> and that. And it was lovely. But I I found myself longing for like the old shows, like the Graham Kerr of it all, the Julia Child, where, the, where there was a little bit more showmanship. There was a little bit more entertainment to the cooking. And it wasn't so serious. And there was a time and place, and I'm not putting that, that style of show down because it's still very beautiful and it's... And it was very popular and it's and it's stunning. It just wasn't for me. And then on top of that, I didn't see not only a brown face on the on the screen at all. Right. The only person of color we had on TV at the time was Yan Ken Cook. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you, Chef Yan. Um, but there wasn't an LGBTQ person of color on my TV. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. This is all sorts of like messed up in my mind. And I could do this and I could do this better. And from there, my food journey began from like a popular blog to uh, cooking and catering. At one point, um, I taught myself how to bake custom cakes. And then I was making crazy wedding cakes out of 120 square feet in Times Square. Um, it's nuts. And then I found out that I hated that. And then I had some TV spots where I was doing uh, morning brunch on television, talking cocktails. And I've 
been blessed to like moderate panels with like Food Network people and and like the journey every time I've tried to leave and being like, oh, this is a lot and this is not for me. It always pulls me back in some sort of way, which is a blessing. And I finally just gave in to the universe, knocking at my door, being like, hello, you're not listening. Right? <laughs> and now I'm blessed with this podcast where I get to share stories of the LGBTQ food community, which is vast, um, and share, like, shed a light on unique and amazing people doing amazing things for their community um, and for themselves and shining brightly, you know? So we'll be talking about baking cakes and then and then all of a sudden we'll be talking about coming out in the foster system somehow. And that's like a whole like crazy conversation to hear about. And you're like, oh my God, how did we even get here? Right? Or we'll talking about like making marinara and finding Zen and gratitude through that. And then like coming out, like it's just, it's been a blessing, such a blessing and such a, such a light in my life, especially during these like crazy, like pandemic times. So I gave you the elevator pitch and I gave you the, you know, the memoirs of who is Michael Munoz. So I, I love, I love that because it, it, I, a couple of points there. The one thing that I really, really appreciate is that you kind of went through the life cycle of being on stage that person and then serving them so you you've seen the full range of that person you see them eat and you see them as an actor or actress and then you kind of took your stylings and your your skills as an act as a performer and then just moved it into baking and cooking i mean you had the chops to come from opera to go to you know broadway opera broadway whatever and now you're using those to, to have your podcast, to have the, the shows. It, it's awesome. And one thing I've taken on as I always love to cook. One thing I've taken on as um, the pandemic is watching Food Network as like my second hobby. So I love Chopped, love Cut Through Kitchen. I love all that. Like I'm like 100% yeah. like baked into that, the fibers of it. My favorite, my favorite girl on there is Manit. That's, that's my home girl. Manit is one of the podcast. nicest people I have ever met. I used to event manage at a her? very popular, yeah, at a very popular restaurant here in New York that shall not be named. Um, but they, uh, they had a Food Network event and she was such a shining light. Um, I love, love, love her. I've met her once. Um, just, yeah, just such a, a bright light. And uh, to go back for a second about being like on stage with these people and then serving these people, it's kind of, it's the way the business works. And it really grounds you, right? Because at one time, like one minute you're at the top of your game and then the next minute, not to say that I wasn't at, at the top of my game, but the hustle is real and I was hustling, you know? <laughs> and that's what you got to do. I mean, look at you, you're hustling right now. You got your kid on your lap, right? <laughs> Just being cute as heck and you're doing your thing and like you, you find a way um, as as a creative person, you drew myself right to make it work, to make it happen, and and I think that's that's a skill that not many people uh, know how to navigate. You know, so kudos to you too for being a pre not only a present dad, but like pushing to through and making this happen for yourself because it's it's admirable. Thank you so much. Um... 
uh, one thing I want to touch on as far as your acting career, what, what actual productions were you in? So I did a lot of weird things. Um, Dora the Explorer paid my bills oh, for a very long time. Oh my God, please talk more about that. <laughs> I was I played Diego in Dora the Explorer Live for a very long time. Um, it was actually, uh, Diego was a very big blessing in my life in many ways. Uh, one being that it was the first time I ever left the country because they took us on tour through the UK, through Scotland, Ireland, and the bug bit me and it wasn't, you know, we grew up like we grew up going the furthest we ever went was Puerto Rico to visit family, you know, like going out of the country wasn't a thing. My mother never went out of the country. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? No, that's for rich people. <laughs> we don't do that. And then, um, you know, when you're over in the in the EU or the UK, um, it's. It's crazy. It's like taking a train here, taking an, uh, a $60 Amtrak to go to D.C. here is like hopping on a $40, $40 flight to like Italy because you're you're already there. It's like that simple. And the bug bit me and I any chance I got, I was like, peace. I am out, America. Um, and on a dime, too, like, you know, just fishing for cheap flights and watching things. And so that was also a big blessing in my life. The children were a huge blessing um, in the sense that like, you know, when these kids come, they expect to see a cartoon, not some like young spiky haired Latin kid in, in the Diego outfit. And so, but it was crazy because you would have thought I was like Britney Spears or somebody, the yes. way they would scream, <laughs> the way they would scream. And I'll never forget it because um, the exchange rate was two to one in th their favor, in um, the British favor. So that cut our paycheck in half and then add taxes to that. And we weren't making a lot of money. If we were here, we'd be making like banging bucks, but yeah, we weren't yeah. making a lot of money. But me and this girl named Gia, oh my God, Gia, I miss her. Um, we didn't care. The entire cast was like, oh my God, it's so expensive. Oh my God, I can't believe you're going out. The minute that show closed, we hit the streets. We met the people. We explored. We wanted to know by the, like, if we sat down in a city or a town for like a week, we had friends meet us at the stage door and the rest of the cast were like, who are those people? We we're like, friends we met. You know, you all didn't want to go out, but we were here to embrace the culture and like learn and meet people. We're who knows when we're coming back to like this little town in Wales. You know? Sorry, that's the way you need to do it in traveling anyway. You need to immerse yourself in the culture. You need to like be part of it. What was your favorite place to go? Oh my goodness, favorite place to go. Um let's see. Um, Scotland was beautiful. Actually, no, lies. Ireland, believe it or not, when we went to, um, Killarney, we were in Killarney, which is South Ireland. And Drew, when I tell you, you literally could close your eyes and just snap a photo and it looks like you just took a, a postcard or you could like print it and throw it on a wall and you know, sign, sign somebody's name to the bottom of it. You know? Wow. It's, it was just like 
so so cinematically like green and and gorgeous and i mean spain i i have an affinity for spain and just the people um i got to go to malta once i hopped over during a break and went over to malta malta is one of the most beautiful places i have ever seen and the people are gorgeous and the food is like nothing else oh <laughs> i can't wait to travel again um yeah i was, so, I was just that was my next question where is the best place you had the best food? Malta, Malta? hands down. What, Malta. What, was, what was the dish that caught your, your attention? You know what? Maltese people know how to eat and know how to do it. Let me tell you, when I went, because you order a drink and like this is like, this is an American culture here. This is, you sit down and it's a good 25 minutes before anybody shows up to your table, right? Because you're sitting down and you're there to like, you know, converse and kiki with your people and and do the thing and then maybe drinks come and then they'll put down some like olives and maybe maltese cheese oh my god it's so delicious (laughs) oh my god i can't even explain to you if you anybody out there listening to this can find maltese cheese and you are a cheese lover you will thank me you will thank me i love a good charcuterie board so yeah i might be on the hunt this weekend (laughs) <laughs> Malt, um, have you seen on the internet? I don't know how um, R-rated you get on this podcast. We get pretty Drew. fucking R-rated. Let's do okay, it. great. <laughs> so, have you seen the thing like a couple months that was going on that someone called a shark uh, a charcuterie board the shark coochie board? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I call it now. A shark coochie board. Give me that shark coochie. Yeah, shark coochie. <laughs> yeah, I love a good shark coochie. But um, but then like you order appetizers and appetizers like will be like oh uh, ravioli or something right and it's like half portion or full portion. Let me tell you, these these mofo's aren't playing around with a half portion. A half portion is like twelve ravioli, and you're like, wait a minute, there's still dinner, and I just ate twelve ravioli, and it's just like. Cause basically it's this little island and in the Mediterranean, like they literally pluck the fish right out of the ocean. And I'm not a big fish person, but I was eating all the fish because it was like as fresh as can be and just all the things and all the pasta. Cause the Maltese people are like Italian, Arabic, African. There's just like a lot of like mixed influence in there. Yes. And so like, all that like culture comes into the food too. Mm. Oh my God. It is, it is like nothing else. There was not one bad meal. Really? I, I, yeah. I, I love that they have. That oh my God. Is he season. snoring? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, obs- I'm obsessed. My heart just melted. <laughs> Come get him. Uh- <laughs> I'm sure you're like, I need a break. <laughs> Um, but it's it's funny how that all those cultures come together and this food is just delicious and it's very similar to I don't know if you're well you have in New York you've met somebody that's bi- biracial and then they have like these two different cultures that they kind of pick from and their food is usually busting like yeah like a Caribbean Asian and you're like okay these jerk um, egg rolls are amazing <laughs> yeah it's I love it I love. Yeah. I love just I love culture like that. I'm uh, believe it or not, I am uh, 
I may be Puerto Rican and I grew up in Brooklyn. And sometimes I always say sometimes when you grow up here and like you're immersed in this, somehow you're like automatically enveloped in the Jewish culture too somehow just because it's very New York. And I love, I love that. And people are like, how do you know all these like Yiddish words? I was like, I don't know. I grew up here. It's like, you know, it's like we're mishpucha. It's fine. Like it's just, it just happened. It's part of the vocab. And it's just like, I'm a man of tradition, no matter what tradition it is. Like one year I was obsessed with making challah bread just because the story about making challah bread is so, is so beautiful that I was like, oh, I love this tradition do i need this to be part of my life or like other people um i have a very good indian friend who we always go out for the indian holidays and i'm like tell me all about this because i love it i just i love just i love culture and i love tradition especially when it's like surrounded by like good things and good vibes and food like yeah give it to me like i love a passover or like a shabbat dinner right Take me, take me there. You're, you're speaking my language. I, I've been to two bar mitzvahs, and yeah. I'm just, and I'm the only brown face there. And I'm I'm just like having a good time, eating the food, eating like talking to everybody in the mud. They're like they're like, hey, you want some? You want some? Some of this? And then I'm, they're like, oh, you're not gonna eat none of that. And I will destroy a plate destroy of anything. It. <laughs> destroy yep. a plate of anything. <laughs> right. It's very rare that I meet um, a meal that isn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, unless unless you can't cook. Uh, <laughs> and there's been. Ugh. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. But listen, we we give you an A plus, uh, A for effort, you know, because some people who can't cook out there, and if this is you, like, really try, you know? Like, there are those people yes. who really try, and it just doesn't work out for them. And shout out to you. Keep trying, because you'll get it. Um, yeah. So it's it's that. So from the stage to catering, what like what was the point where you was like, Huh, I need to get into catering and then you moved into the podcast. It's you know what the trajectory is just all oddly enough just happened organic. It really just happened organically. Did I set out to like run a small catering business for a while? No. You know how miserable that is doing that at your home? Did you know, <laughs> it's did you not know how to cook fun- then? Or you, you, huh? you yeah, I'm learning. all self-taught. I do not okay. call myself a chef because the title of chef I give to these these men and women and others, um, who however you define yourself, that have like gone to school or grew up in the kitchen from dishwasher to garmanger to to sous chef who really put in that time and put in that work because that is, um, that is a profession that is not easy and it takes a passion and a dedication and these these people spend upwards of 80 hours a week in a kitchen and maybe even more so these days trying to feed the people and trying to keep their businesses alive um so i am um an advanced uh, or accomplished home trained cook is what i say um because you know like being an artist and being in the theater you're more often than not also a waiter and you're in these kitchens. And I was just blessed enough, A, to work in a lot of different types of restaurants in the city and a lot of them high end. So I got to see a lot of the best of the best do their thing and put out amazing things. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. How did they how did they do that? Could I do this? And I'd go home and try it. And it would either work 
or not work? And then I'd go back and I'd be like, wait a minute, Chef Kamal, how did you do this? And he'd be like, oh, this is where you went wrong, right? It's a flick of the wrist here and you forgot to add this. And I was like, oh, and then I'd go home and success. And then so like I'd pick, I'd pick things up and then all of a sudden somebody would be, somebody one day had a party and they were like, oh, wait, don't you cook? And I'm like, yeah. Would you want to do this for me? And me not being able to say no <laughs> and also not realizing when to say no, because that's an important lesson. There's it's sometimes yes. it's OK to say no um, and it's OK to be a little selfish sometimes. And I'm not I'm not trying to be Brene Brown or Oprah here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people need to hear that sometimes. But, um, you know, and I. I would just take on these massive tasks and stress out and more often than not cry about it at, at some point in the process. And then it would come off without a hitch. Yeah. And people would be like, this is amazing. This is uh, so great. How did you make this happen out of your tiny apartment? Which probably the health department wouldn't really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it anymore. So you can't come for me. Uh, don't at me. Um, so... So yeah, and then like the cake the, with the cake baking too. I never set out to bake cakes, custom cakes, but there is this straight couple that owns a gay bar here in New York City um called Flaming Saddles and it's like kind of like Coyote Ugly where they'd like dance on the bar, right? Okay. But it's like western themed. Mm -hmm. Um and they don't strip, they just kind of, you know, two step or saddle step or whatever you call it. Uh, it's kind of like tap dancing on the bar in your boots. And uh, Jackie's husband, Chris, came up to me one day and he was like, hey, you have this really popular blog and I hear you cook. Uh, Jackie's birthday is coming up and I want a cake in the shape of a Chanel purse. Can you do it? I was wasted. And I said, sure, no problem. This is so easy. Called my best friend the next day, uh, who also happened to be named Michael. And I said, Michael, I think I promised Chris a uh, cake in the shape of a Chanel purse. And he was like, good luck, bitch. And he hung <laughs> up the phone. He was like, good luck. I want no part of it. And I made it, I made it happen somehow. Like without knowing how to, uh, like it was like wrapped in chocolate. I made like the, the outside as opposed to icing. Like the cake was inside in icing, but like the actual purse casing was like quilted shaped chocolate. Like, Wow. How did I even know how to do that? <laughs> how did you figure that out? Was it YouTube or just kind of like... No, not even YouTube. No, I didn't even think. Let me watch a YouTube tutorial. No, that wasn't actually a thing back then. I think people were doing it, but they weren't popular. Um, I was just like, okay, this is how this would work in my mind. This is how I'm going to do it. And then I had access to like a French pastry chef that I was like... Hey, this is how I'm planning this out. Does this sound good? And he was like, you're crazy, dude. <laughs> even he was like, why, why did you even agree to this? And then like, he like would lend me some tools or like guide me a little, but like no one was in that kitchen with me. And then all of a sudden I'm baking custom cakes. And once again, at some point crying during the process because it's miserable. Like if you don't have, it's miserable if you don't have space, especially space access to like high-end like baking things and like you know and I was just doing it to do it because I was like this is what it's gonna this is what's going to push me forward you know and I did it and you know there was a wedding cake that killed me 
And I was like, never again. This is the last one. And, um, but that was a blessing at one, and it taught me a lot and it showed me things that I could do. And, and, you know, and we just did it. It just all kind of happened organically. I never asked for it. It just, I just said yes. Right. And I always say I'm in a place of yes, yes. these days for sure. Shout out to housewife Bethany Frankel for coining that. Yeah. It's good to be in a place of yes, because as the struggle through it and, and look where I am today. Like I was miserable at a job and I called a girlfriend of mine and I was like, we need to start a podcast call and call it sausage and tuna. Cause we were uh, creatively really great together. And she was like, yes, but we can't call it sausage and tuna. Two weeks later, we had a podcast called in your mouth where it was really raunchy and it was this raunchy food podcast. And I was mm -hmm. the host and she was the sidekick and it was great. And it was kind of, kind of gay, kind of not. It was a little all over the place, but a lot of fun. And then like kind of 80 episodes in, she was like, you know what? This is really great, but this is kind of your thing. And it's pulling me away from my creative stuff. Like yeah. I'm finding no energy to like give to like the stuff I want to do. And I was like, go, go with my blessing. You know, yeah. like I support you wholeheartedly in this venture. Like, you know, like I thank you for doing this with me and you know, and we sent her off with um, grand blessings. And then I took it over solo and I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to be me and it's going to be really campy <laughs> and it's going to be food and gay. I didn't realize that I'd be telling the stories of like LGBTQ people um, through a food lens. I never yeah. set out to do that. And it wasn't until someone brought it to my attention, this man from South Africa, slid into my DMs uh, to tell me, I really love what you're doing. And he said to me, this is where it really changed. He said to me, I love that you've become a custodian of our stories in this way. Ooh, and good. I said, I've become a who of a what? A what? <laughs> what am I doing? And I was like, oh, wait. I didn't even notice what the podcast had grown into. And telling these stories through a food lens. And like I said, we're, we're talking about baking cakes and then all of a sudden talking about growing up in the foster care system and coming out. And like that specific guest was like, do you know I've never told that story before to me after we like shut the podcast down? And I was like, oh, my God, I felt like a little bad. And he goes, no, he goes, there's something about you that made me so comfortable. And it made me feel that like people needed to hear it. And I go. Well, now that I'm this custodian, this is why I'm, I have a bigger responsibility now yes. and to, to yes, get these stories out there because it's important for people to hear. And maybe there is a kid out there that's like you, that's like, uh, that happens to fall upon this episode. That's like, yes, he made it. I can too. So it, it looks like you do a lot of your things and just like fuck it let's go in there let's dive in and then it, it just, and figure it out later exactly yeah. <laughs> i i love i i listen man i i love that approach because it, it you get the full breath of everything and you get the full when you're done with it you look back at you like damn i did that shit <laughs> i did yeah. that for i did that for myself um and so i want to know was there ever an experience that you had that being gay was a hindrance? And how did you deal with that? Oh, there's like many. I mean, we live in a world 
We live in a world, and this goes right back to the beginning of where we come full circle, Drew, to treating people like humans, treating, you know, and it's, I wouldn't say being gay was a hindrance. It's never hindered me, but people's opinions of me have hindered me moving forward. You know, people's, uh, people's, uh, very just presumptions of who I am out of the gate without knowing me have have caused a little bit of turmoil. And yes, there's uh, we can go down long stories of bullying and and maybe even a moment of like depression and self hate and like thoughts of like you know suicide for like a hot moment and you know if anybody out there no matter if you're gay straight or however you define yourself if you're going through a moment and this is where your mind is leading you there is help out there there is help out there um don't be afraid to pick up the phone and just call your neighbor um or your friend but the 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 coming up and coming through of not only being um, a queer male or a gay male, um, but a Latin male, there's also in the theater business, like people being like, oh, they'll never hire you because your last name is Munoz. Oh, and you're a little, and you're a little too effeminate for this job. And I was like, or that one time the agent goes, I don't know what to do with you. You're too educated for your name. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. And like not realizing it and me being so conditioned of this is the world. This is the what I've signed up for. This is what it is. As opposed to being like, no, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. You, do you realize what you just said to me? That is fucked up. Right. And yes, some some shows out there. Right. You need to be like, if you're playing the jock, you're playing the jock. I'm never going to play the jock, (laughs) but I never, I never signed up for that. That's what, that's not what I did, you know? And I showed that agent, I go, you know what? Just give me a chance. Let's, let's uh, freestyle this for a second. Just send me out. And the first thing she sent me out for was Latin Kings, the musical. And you know who booked it? This queen, right? Being too effeminate and too educated. Mm. All right. I booked it. And the reason I didn't take it is because they didn't want to pay me because I wasn't union. But that was another story, right? And another problem to go down. So, like, yeah, there's there's adversity when it's a double whammy, especially being, you know, um, albeit a light-skinned person of color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, my mother worked her tail off and took out loans, took out loans for me to go to private school that we just finished paying off not that wow. long ago. So. <laughs> You know, she uh, shout out to mom who hustled her ass off to get shout me into that, you know, well-educated place um, for somebody to be like, you're too educated. Right. So like, but still having the last name Munoz, I've still I've still experienced that discrimination being Latino. I've still experienced and still do experience the discrimination of um, being uh a queer gay man. Um, you know, someone, you know, um, a part of my day job too is being a personal assistant. I was running around the Upper West Side. Someone, someone screamed uh, something terrible at me the other day just for walking down the street as he like rode his bicycle. I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, yep, that's me. 
just wait. I was like, yep, me. You know, I accept. Have a great day. <laughs> I accept. I accept. I, I like that. I like that. I like yeah. that. When somebody calls you something out of your name, just be like, I accept. <laughs> yeah, I accept. Yeah, actually, that that is me. Right? Because then, then you cut them at the knees because like, they don't oh. know what to do with that. <laughs> They don't know what to do with that and be like, no, 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 you, you can't get me. You can't get me like that because I've been here. I've seen the struggle. I've been on the front lines at the protests. I've done, I've, I've been there. Right. And granted, I have lived a very charmed and blessed life and I have not had to struggle like many of my other bro brothers and sisters. Right. And, um, out there, but still like it's, it's. You can't get me like that, yeah. right? Because I've, uh, I've lived this life and I've come through and I'm, you know, I'm in a good place and, and you know, we just move forward. You just move forward, right? And if you're not adding value to my life, then why are you here? Exactly. And you have one of the most inspirational, funny, uh, interesting, thought-provoking Instagram feeds I've seen in a long time, by the way. I just want to put you definitely on front street of that one. I, that, that egg, the egg, when you went to get the eggs. Oh, those level up oh eggs. Oh my gosh. I was like, those are, some... are they sponsoring him? Because this is they a great were. egg. I was like, this is great egg content right here. I was like, she got a paycheck, honey. She got a, <laughs> she got paid. I was like, this is great egg content. I was like, he's cooking with them. He's eating. Did a whole montage. I was like. God damn, that's good. I was like, they did not know what to expect. And shout out to <laughs> shout out to those rich those rich lady eggs, um, because those <laughs> eggs are not cheap, and I didn't buy them. But um, but you know what? A long time ago, I something clicked where I I was like, I'm just gonna be me, authentically me, genuinely me, right? And so you know what? Sometimes I like a I like a painted nail. Sometimes I like to throw a wig on. Am I a drag queen? Do I, I want to be a, a woman? No. It's just fun. It's just fun and ridiculous and and fun. It's just like it it's feel good. Yes. And so and so it's part of who I am and part of the brand. And so when they approach me to do this, you know what? I'm not reinventing like the food the food media wheel here. I'm not doing anything uh like different than anybody else is doing i just put a different spin on it i yes. put a wig and nail on it i put a heel on it <laughs> and then i put i put my genuineness my authenticity on it and there's a difference between authenticness and genuineness we can get into that later but mm -hmm. um but it's just like no one's gonna do what i do and let me tell you i peeped i peeped no shade but a little shade to the other uh people who did things for them. I was like, yeah, this is, this is normal. This is yawn. Seen it. Been there. Been there. <laughs> no shade, right? but a little bit of shade. <laughs> but a little bit of shade. Just because I'm like, once again, going back to the beginning of 2009, sitting on that couch. This isn't fun. What is fun about this? Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Great. You've hard boiled an egg and you threw it in a pretty salad. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I can accept that. Yeah, that's nice. But it doesn't make me be like, oh, damn, I want those eggs. You know what made me want those eggs? <laughs> that video. Because you even commented being like, D 
dad. <laughs> this is like, Sam. This is a good ass. I was like, I don't, I don't even know where these eggs are, but these eggs look fucking delicious. Yeah. I was like, and I'm a big yolk guy, right? I, I like a nice yeah. yellow, like. No, it has to be bright orange. Yes. Right? Yes. None of this pale yellow yes. from some beakless chickens. Yes. Right? That don't, no. Yes. No. And I was like, oh, that looks good. I was like, even the, even the, like the frying of the egg, I was like, okay. I, I, I wanted these eggs. I didn't even, I even, it was, I was like, get this man a check. Get, I don't know how many checks you need to give him. Give him a couple. <laughs> yeah. Give me, I need all the checks, you know? So no one, yeah. I unfortunately lost a lot of that work as the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And then some brands who shall rename, who shall remain nameless reached out <laughs> during the pandemic being like, Hey, create content for us. And yes. we'll give you like some food. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, that maybe used to work before this, mm. but I lost work and you are a major brand. Yeah. You can afford, right, to throw me some money. I need the dollars, not the holla. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, are you, are you, are you kidding me here? Yes. We have a great relationship. And now... A pandemic hit, and now you know I've lost work, and now you're trying to use me for free for quote-unquote exposure? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, so that leads me greatly into the last section of the podcast, which I call Shots Fired. Knocked out. Um, <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. Um, um, that looks like a good sleep. Oh, man. I, I haven't had a sleep like that since he was born. Uh, <laughs> right i i can imagine um okay we're gonna go to shots fires elevated icebreakers it's about 15 to 20 questions and the first thing that comes to your mind is let it fly <laughs> snores <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna take this out and edit but okay let's let's figure it just out just leave it as ambient noise just be like <laughs> i mean just Here's the sound bite. The baby's snoring. Get used to it. And I mean, I actually kind of want that on repeat as white noise to like make me go to bed at night. I was thinking it's know, so soothing. A good idea would just be just like take it out and dub it like across the whole podcast, but just lower it down to a frequency, like yeah. a lower frequency. So it's it's going. So when he does actually snore, it kind of like pipes it out. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Okay. <laughs> this is shots fired. Uh, shots fired. Boom. What's your favorite color? Pink. What's your favorite sport? Ew. <laughs> 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 um, I know such a such a fucking stereotype. Um, uh, uh, picking up men. There we go. <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie? Oh, oh, a toss-up between Moonstruck and Funny Girl. Okay. Oh, and Cabaret. Okay. Uh. What's your favorite cereal? Oh, my God. Uh, favorite cereal. I haven't had cereal in so long. Um, Fruity Pebbles. Oh, no, Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Okay. You got that once a year cereal. Um, what's your favorite alcoholic drink? Uh, I'm a big gin guy, pink gin, believe it or not. Um, and not rosé gin. There's a difference. Pink gin. Delicious. What's your favorite TV show? Golden Girls. Oh man. Um, what movie do you hate to love? What movie do I hate to love? Oh, what movie do I hate 
to love. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I mean, the <laughs> movies movie that do? I love are are yeah. so good that I don't hate them. I just love them. Oh, maybe like oh, anything Medea. Ah, okay. Anything Medea, <laughs> right? I hate to love them, but I if it's on, I am watching. Mm -hmm. One place you want to visit that you haven't yet? Ooh, um, Greece. Okay. What fictional world or place would you like to visit? Narnia. Mm. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A clown slash veterinarian. <laughs> Did you want to be a veterinarian for the clown? I, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It was like I was going to be a clown for Ringling Brothers. And okay. on the side, I'd be like the vet for all the animals ah. in the circus. I think that's where my mind was going. Like a veterinary Patch Adams. I get it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> um, you can have a, anyone as a fictional imaginary friend, right? Who would it be? Oh, a fictional imaginary friend. Who would it be? First person that comes to mind for some reason is Ella Fitzgerald. Okay. Um, I think she'd be a hoot. <laughs> place you would go in the apocalypse. Place I would go in the apocalypse. Oh, it, it'd have to be someplace fancy. Um, you know what? Like, I'm going to say like one of those like hidden Mason temples. Like, you know, the Masons uh, yes. or like. Or like the major Scientology temple, because <laughs> those places, or like the Vatican, even you know, someplace like so fantastical that like there's like secrets hidden in the walls and things and things buried. Yes, I think you'd be real set up in one of those like really weird secretive places. I like that. That's a great answer. Um, if you had a time machine, would you go back in? Would you go back in time or would you go forward in time? I'd go back in time. Okay. For sure. But not like not to change very much. Who would be who is your celebrity crush? Oh, celebrity crush. Oh my god. Joe Manganiello. Okay. Um, who is Joe Manganiello? Married to Sophia, uh, married to Sofia Vergara. Yes. He's done a lot of things. Yes, 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 he's, yes. He's yes. done a lot of things. I was like, that name sounds super familiar. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um which who's your favorite artist? And I'm preface this by saying the artist doesn't have to be a musical artist. It's anybody whose art um, evokes emotion to you. Ooh, favorite artist. Um, what am I playing a lot of these days? Um, I'm giving you a lot of like Donna Summer disco these days. I'm a big disco queen. That's that really moves me. There's something about that, like. I feel like in a former life, I like died on the dance floor because <laughs> like the minute it starts, something like something comes like in me that like it's something like takes over my body and I I just don't know I it's like transcendental. I love that. I had a little. I had a phase when I was seventeen, listening to disco for about two years straight. And Love it was it. just, I was like, I was like, this is like the house before house. <laughs> yeah, it was everything. Um, what song would be looped in your hell? Oh God, baby shark. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Um, uh, what would you, who would you change places with for one day? Mm, 
Who would I change places with for one day? Um, it'd have to be somebody crazy and fabulous. Um, I would I would either say someone like Charo. Okay. Or, okay. Or someone like really hot, like Channing Tatum, just okay. so I could see what he's working with. You know. <laughs> got you. Got you. It's kind of like yeah, a Charo. I haven't heard her name forever. Charo. Charo but I think yeah. Charo would just be more fun. <laughs> if you haven't gotten into Charo's Instagram, it's pro- it's oh one of the most God. amazing she has things ever. Oh yeah, she does the most. Okay, uh, that's what I'm doing after this. Um, what would be the name of your autobiography? Oh my God. Um, my auto, uh, so many, um, uh, oh my God, my, you know what, to, to steal from, uh, Blanche Devereaux, the golden girl herself, Ruma McClanahan, <laughs> her, her memoirs was, were called my first five husbands and the ones that got away. I think it would have to be something very similar. <laughs> I love it. Who would you be ha- handcuffed to for one day? Um, who would be, who would I be handcuffed to for one day? Oh my goodness. Um, oh, who's that guy in Bridgerton? That guy. I know who you're talking about. Don't know his name, but okay. That guy. The main character Mm -hmm. whose ass was all over the screen. If you haven't watched Bridgerton, not a sponsor (laughs) of this podcast or mine, but get into it. It's good. I haven't watched it yet. I've been like on the fence about it. I've heard so many different things. It's good. It's great because of the way the way they're unapologetic about every last person of color on there. Yeah. Okay. You know, like the queen herself, like she'll have these like big like Elizabethan like powdered wigs, but you could see her natural hair come through too. Ah, okay. It's stunning. And at one point she comes in in this big afro. It's absolutely stunning. Like it's full on like yes moments. Okay. I- I think I'll, def- I'll probably get into this weekend. I have much time, except for the, Jack- Jack's, the Zack Snyder cut. I have to watch because um, I'm a nerd. Um, what's one, talking about nerds, what's one superpower you want to have? Oh, um, flying. Okay. Either flying or mind reading, but, uh, but flying. What's the most out of character thing you, you've ever done? One most out of character thing I've ever done. Um, stay home for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Not go anywhere for nine months. This is going to be a good question for you. I think. What is your death row meal? Last meal of life. I need an app. I need an entree, and I need dessert. Oh, an app, entree, and dessert. Yes, okay, sir. so we're starting with a shark coochie board. Through and through. Give me all the meats. Give me all the cheeses. A little like fig jam or something on there for the sweet and like the the good crusty breads. Yep. Then I think, and maybe like if I can have like a like a marinara or like a sun dried tomato, so I get some tomato feels, mm. so I can move into like really like warm Puerto Rican cooking, like my mom's cooking there and then dessert has to be like the most decadent of all chocolates like chocolate cake like and not like stupid lava cake like but like actual (laughs) good moist chocolate cake like that moist like just 
you know, it like kind of melts in your mouth and it's really fudgy and chocolatey and mm. Yeah, I thought that would be a good one for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that is Shots Fired. I love it. That's so great. <laughs> so can you give um, my audience where they can find you, how they can listen to your podcast, and any information of any events coming up? Yeah, for sure. First, before I do that, I want to thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, it's just really great to um, connect with people that are doing, like doing the ish and like doing amazing things out there and like, you know, hustling like you are. So um, thank you for giving me a moment of your time on your podcast um, to amplify my voice. Um, it doesn't go unnoticed or unappreciated because um, you're doing good work out there. So thank you. Uh, if you want to find me, you can go to the Munoz. That's M-U-N-O-Z dot com. Everything is there. Uh, my Instagram is at the kitchen gaily. That's daily with a G. Um, or my podcast Instagram is in your mouth pod. You can find my podcast in your mouth anywhere where you stream your favorite podcasts like this one, Drew versus the world uh, versus the world. Um, shout out to you, Drew. Um, yeah, and that's it. Like in your mouth with Michael Munoz. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. I am there um, and super easily findable. If you Google my name, um, a heavyset Oklahoma football player will come up. But I'm, <laughs> I'm in that. I'm in that, uh, that. I'm not fat shaming. He's just a big guy. Um, uh, you know, shout out to you. Uh, he'll come up first and then I'm the next one. Again, uh, thank you for the kind words and thank you, Michael, for your time. Um, the last thing we do on, on the podcast is say our catchphrase. Um, and the catchphrase is love, peace, and chicken grease. So when you yes. get a chance, you can say, your, say the catchphrase and we're out of here. All right. Thank you, Drew, so much. I am so happy to be. I was so happy. One more time. Thank you, Drew, so much. I was so honored and happy to be here and to, you know, share this moment and connect with you. And all I got to say to you is love, peace, and chicken grease. And this has been another episode of Droop vs. the World. <laughs>